As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Matters of Life and Death, a podcast from Premier Unbelievable. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Matters of Life and Death. Uh, As always, I'm Tim Wyatt and I'm joined by my dad, John Wyatt. Hi, John. Hi, it's the very elderly John Wyatt here. Yeah, if you can still just cling on, yeah. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that won't make sense if you have listened to the last episode, which I encourage you to do so <laughs> in advance of this one. Uh, so last week we talked about some of the fan- fascinating and slightly terrifying demographic transitions that the world is currently going through, um, the, and, and in particular how fertility rates are plummeting worldwide, with a few specific exceptions, uh, and what that's going to mean for our societies as, we, as they become older and greyer. Yeah, that's right. And so our conversation is encapsulating uh, the question of how the old and the young should get on. And uh, in particular, uh, I'm fascinated by what seems to me like a new question to ask, in some sense a new question, what are old people for? And in particular, uh, what are old people for within a Christian community? Uh, Because God is giving an awful lot of them Uh, to the church as well as to society and so it seems to me a really important question it's fascinating as well because the concept of of the elderly is actually historically speaking quite a new one you know for most of human history people you know didn't live really beyond their 50s and 60s and so they kind of died as they stopped working and so the but the concept of you know since in the post-war era we've had this idea of retirement and the and the kind of the third chapter of life from 65 to 95 or whatever and as that bulk of the population is growing we're having to constantly each generation reinvent what is the purpose of this third chapter that god has unexpectedly granted us yeah it's not that there weren't old people i mean you know the queen has been giving telegrams to people who got to 100 uh true you know ever since i should suspect the beginning of her reign what what is new is the numbers of them you know they used to be celebrated because they were so unusual whereas now it's fairly routine mm. and and it's that change in the balance isn't it which is which is so uh, so interesting and and unexpected yeah uh, so some stats to to wet your appetite um in, in 2019 uh, one in five people in the uk was age 65 or over and in just 20 years time that's going to grow to to a quarter so one in four people will be retirement age uh, and in the next 25 years, over the same span, the number of people older than 85 is going to double and to 2.6 million people. 2.6 million people aged 85 or older, an age which, as you say, was until relatively recent human history almost un- unheard of. 
Yeah, and and one of the great concerns is that as you get older, you get more prone to illnesses, and in particular, so-called neurodegenerative illnesses like Alzheimer's disease and dementia, and other neurological conditions. And so, you know, the projections for the number of people in our society who are going to have uh, chronic neurodegenerative conditions is is really quite startling. Hmm. So let's talk about what this means for Christians and for the church. I mean, in many ways, the first observation to make is that the church is already there in some sense. The church is is, an, is a grey institution, at least it is here in the UK and in much of the Western developed world. It is It is older than the society around it and has been for some time. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not uniform, uniformly the case, is it? And, uh, you know, here in London, we have a lot of uh, amazingly youthful churches. Um, but I, I think across the country, the trend is absolutely clear, isn't it? That hmm. um, the average age of, of, of church congregations is is increasing and, and, and the older people tend to predominate. Hmm. I mean, in the Church of England, I know it's the average age of a person attending on a Sunday is somewhere in the late 50s. Um, and in and as you go into more rural communities and smaller congregations, that, that number drifts up into the 60s or even the 70s. And it's certainly not unusual to, 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 to go to a church of one of the kind of historic mainstream denominations, a Methodist, a Baptist church, and find virtually no young people at all. And, and what's your explanation for that, you know, from a um, church growth mm. and um, explanation? Is it, is, it that, <clears throat> is it just demographics, that there are more old people generally? Or is it that um, younger people are just less interested in Christianity? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And it's something I've kind of reflected on and written about and covered in my kind of journalism many times. And, and you know, church decline kind of has been noticed in the stats for well over half a century. And so has been the subject of a lot of research, actually. And what is fascinating is that it really throws up more questions than substantive answers. What we do know for sure is that churches have been, the church has been kind of declining in number, total numbers uh, for, yeah, since at least the 60s. Um, and that's true across dem across many different nations in the developed world uh, and many different denominations. It's not tied to Anglicanism or Catholicism or, or any particular flavour of Christianity, though there are some small exceptions that should be worth noted. Um, what, what, what the demographers and the statisticians tell us is that this this decline and, and the subsequent ageing of the church is driven not by, primarily is dri by, driven by the fact that young people are not joining. So it's not so much that, that people are dropping out of the church in huge numbers, but it's that old people are dying and they're not being replaced as they were in previous generations by their grandchildren. And so ever since your generation really came of age in the 60s, what you found is young people are, are hitting the point in their teens when they have a choice really of whether they go to church or not, having if they've previously been taken by their parents. And they are in large, large numbers, overwhelming numbers, choosing not not to attend and so there is an ever smaller ever ever um smaller numbers but also the people who hang around are those who are already there i.e people who are adults and therefore they hang around into their retirement which is why you get this kind of graying of the population of the congregation yeah it's interesting isn't it and, and obviously there are multiple factors there in, including 
spiritual factors, but I suspect there's also a kind of sociological factor, and that is that younger people just don't join anything. Um, you know, it's a kind of individualism, so that, you know, they, they don't join unions, they don't join political parties, uh, they don't join clubs. Uh, so, one sense, it's not surprising they don't join churches either, that this idea of committing yourself to a to a community of people um, is, is something which increasingly seems alien. And I have heard it said, you know, that that in this kind of developing society, it's the, it's either the individual level or it's the state. The only two powerful forces are either individuals making individual choices or it's the state level. And this intermediate community level is dissolving. Yeah, that's a really, really important point and something that I think is often missed. When Christians ask themselves, why are our churches so old? Why aren't young people joining? Their instinct is to reach for very kind of spiritual reasons around atheism and secularism and belief or our failures to evangelize and be committed to witness. And all of that has its place. But I always want to say, put my kind of cynical journalist hat on and say, you are aware that this is not unique to the church. As you say, membership in all forms of kind of intermediary institution, trade unions, sports teams, political parties has collapsed since the post-war period in the immediate post-war period and and that is being reflected in the church and so in some sense slightly depressingly i have to say the graying of the church is partly a result of big sea change societal shifts towards individualism and away from group membership that are outside of its immediate control yeah and and certainly in individual conversation it's very common isn't it to come across people who say actually i'm quite spiritual you know by whatever they mean by that but i don't believe in organized religion you know yeah. so i'm practicing some kind of individualized uh, spiritual activity whatever it is uh, but the idea of regularly turning up on a sunday or at, at a midweek meeting is something that just is completely alien to me yeah Definitely. And these things become self-reinforcing because there's also good evidence that shows that church going is a habit. And if your parents, if you know, if your parent generation didn't go, it's exceptionally difficult for you who has no had no experience of it at when you reach adulthood to decide I'm going to just walk into this strange building and sit through these bizarre rituals that I have no comprehension of. Whereas, you know, a hundred years ago, basically every British person would have been exposed in some way during childhood to church. And so they, they were almost uh, less kind of desensitized to its weirdness in many ways. And it becomes a the, the bar barrier to entry if you do choose to kind of express that spirituality through organization is, is much lower. Yeah, it reminds me of an experience that we've had many times because... We live, as you know, here in Finsbury Park, just close to the Arsenal football ground. And and quite often on a Sunday morning, we would be going off to church, you know, and the streets would be thronged with people <laughs> uh, in Arsenal football gear and all the kind of razzmatazz and paraphernalia, and they're all coming to to an Arsenal football match. And it's this irony that we're going off, you know, we're the, we're the weird ones going off to worship the almighty God, the creator of the universe. And there's these thousands and thousands of people come to watch their team play yeah. and kick a plastic football around. So Today's cathedrals are the, are the sports team, you know, these enormous 60,000 seater sport arenas. You know, that's where people find their transcendent spiritual experience. It's in the ecstasy after Arsenal score an incredible last minute goal. 
That's right, and you can even be buried, can't you? <laughs> you know, there's a place where people come and leave their mortal remains That's on the right, sacred yeah. turf. And <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, interestingly, though, in, in perhaps as a response to it, what I notice is that so many churches be- have become very focused on young people mm. and, on, and on the youth service and the youth group, hiring a special youth minister and on young families, the importance of provision for young families and the elderly people aligning the pews or the, che- the chairs are, are often seen as, as really not important. Yeah, and there's been some really kind of tinnied moments where you've heard kind of important people in church growth circles talk about like, if only there weren't quite so many of these old people, we could really get the church going, you know, and, and the idea that there's this kind of like sclerotic dead hand of the grey of the grey congregation holding back progress. And if only we could clear the, the pews, we could get some, we could, you know, get some cool lighting and, and, and smoke machines in here and really get things going which is obviously a bit trite. But it, but it, a lot of it also, I think, comes out of that a response to that church growth notion, which is that, again, the evidence shows that if you can get young people in, they tend to hang around and they will turn into more committed adults in their 20s, 30s, 40s. They will then have children they bring to church and you get this, the idea is you get this virtuous cycle. So there's a lot of investment and explicit top-down encouragement to individual churches to say, if you want to kickstart growth, you need to get the young people. And to me, while there's some merit to that and what it really strikes me is a huge lack of confidence in evangelism because the idea is basically that the only way anyone ever becomes a Christian is because they're forced to by their parents. And it, and given that we you know we we believe in a converting faith and you know Christianity Christianity was born when a whole bunch of adults saw the risen Jesus and committed their lives to him it it really strikes yeah. me that there could yeah. be with a bit more belief and self confidence that we actually it's not it's not the case that if you're not a Christian by eighteen you never will be it clearly can't be that can't be true well it's interesting isn't it we were talking last week in the last podcast about the um, the ultra-Orthodox uh, Jews. And of course, that's their approach to uh, dissemination of their religion is by, is by basically having babies and indoctrinating them into the yes. into the faith and religious practices. And as you say, Christianity has always been uh, about uh, uh, reaching out, um, being salt and light and, and mm. witnessing to Christ in a, in a secular world, not, not about having babies in order to grow the church. I think mean, the flip side, the counter argument, if I can speak up for the young people, is that on one level, it makes sense that churches make a lot of effort for young people because they are the missing link. You know, if you go into the average congregation, it's not missing older folk, people of retirement age and above, but there is a huge gulf, a huge void where you'd expect young people to think, if you think the perfect church in inverted commas is one which is equally represented throughout from zero to 100. You know, the 60 to 100 bracket is pretty fairly representative. What we're missing are people between the ages of zero and 35 or 40. And therefore, it does make sense to, to, to make extra effort to go out and recruit and find and, and, and try and, you know, work out what is stopping you from attending. And can we change that or make this church a more appealing prospect so that we can we can re-recruit some of the people who, who never joined in the first place? Well, I, I can see the logic there, and, and of course, I would I would want to support it. And of course, it's important that the church uh, tries to reach out to every segment of society, including to young people. But you know, I could put a counter argument, and and that is, um, 
because the church is largely ignoring this great slug of older people, they feel demotivated and um, and disempowered. Um, and, and perhaps, by God's grace, uh, one of the greatest evangelistic opportunities is among older people. Um, I mean, again, anecdotally, <clears throat> I've heard that during the pandemic, quite a, a lot of, of older people have um, been interested in, 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 in approaching Christians because of a, a sense of the meaninglessness of society. You know, I'm older people, baby boomers, I may be quite well off financially, but I'm looking back on my life and saying, is that it? I'm actually open to people uh, helping me see how, how Christ can be relevant to me in my life. And so if the church really resourced the 50 to 70 year old um, and, and, and encouraged them and envisioned them that they could be evangelists reaching out not just to their own peers but perhaps reaching out to young people as well then um, maybe that would uh, be a much more positive response rather than to say we're just going to focus on young people. Hmm. It strikes me there's a really fascinating almost paradox here which is that old people feel resentful because it feels like the church is run for the benefit of the young and then young people say, I want nothing to do with church because it's obviously run for the benefit of the old. And somehow we're <laughs> staggeringly, somehow we've failed, we've alienated both segments of the population <laughs> in an yeah. almost catastrophic misstep. And somehow we've, we've simultaneously failed to, to make church palatable or interesting or appealing to young people. And yet at the same time, we've, we're putting off um, this, as you say, this kind of faithful cohort uh, who feel kind of overlooked in it and, and ignored. Yeah, and sadly, you know, I have had some people say to me that they felt just driven away from the church, particularly when it was put an emphasis on church planting and so on, because they just felt it, it wasn't for them. You know, they, they, they didn't like the style of worship. They didn't like the very loud music. They, they, they just felt alienated and driven away, um, which, which seems to me tragic, really, doesn't it? Because... The most important thing, surely, is that the local church should represent every generation, you know. Um, and that is one of the unique things about the Christian faith in our modern society, that, that we have a faith which is vitally relevant to every single age group. Definitely. Matters of Life and Death, a podcast from Premier Unbelievable. Definitely, and that that is a tragedy because when churches are miss out on on any particular age cohort, they they lose so much. You know, I've been part of churches which are on the surface kind of thriving and growing and and seen as huge success stories, but there was no one over the age, barely anyone over the age of forty. And that was a real sadness, you know. It didn't stop it being a great church, and there's lots to be gained from there. But it did mean that there was so much that was lost, and it, and and just without that kind of, as you say, that intergenerational community, um, I really felt it's having grown up in a church family which was evenly represented from all ages. It felt like there was something, always something missing, not just in bodies, but in terms of the wisdom, the prayerfulness, the spirituality, the insight, uh, the the kind of pastoral care that older people can offer younger Christians and of course this is where the model of a family um, of, of a multi-generational family again 
it's something which has collapsed, isn't it, in our secular society? Uh, how often do we have, uh, certainly in uh, UK English society, how often do we have all the generations represented meeting together, enjoying one another within a within a family, a biological family? And and so the church family should be providing that experience. And uh, one of the great things about the big Christian gatherings, I've, we just came back from Easter from Word Alive, a big Christian conference in held in Wales, and, and there were 5,000 people there. And one of the wonderful things was, you know, joining in the family worship, and you've got the tinies there uh, really enjoying it. But at the same time, you've got the parents and the grandparents and the older generation all there, all worshipping God together and enjoying one another. And, and it, it's just a very moving, moving experience for me. Mm. And in some way, as you as you note, the kind of fracturing and atomization of family and society, you know, again, historically speaking, putting my historian hat on for a moment, you know, most households were were not just parents and children, but also involved grandparents living there, and very often aunts, uncles, and cousins. And you'd have these large, sprawling, intergenerational household families, and 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 other family living nearby. And you all grew up together. And now we have this very rigid. It's just the nuclear family. It's just mum, dad, and one point six children, and maybe a dog, and that's it. And in some way, the church has gone down a similar line. It was once. A true family in every sense of the word and now it's fracturing and you have this is a church for their 20s and 30s this is a church for mums and dads and their young children this is a church for for the elderly all siloed off in their various places and i think everyone suffers as we say everyone suffers because that's that's not the the model that that jesus institutes in the new testament so if we just uh in the last few minutes think about this question what are old people for positively i mean what do old people bring to the Christian community, or what should they be bringing? What, how can we envision older Christians to see that they have a vital role within within the local Christian community? What would you What would you want to highlight? I think the first thing that comes to mind is what I kind of touched on before in my previous experience at church without anyone over the age of 40, 45, was that felt like we were missing out on some of that life wisdom, that um, that kind of deep. And not just life, but spiritual wisdom. You know, I, I often feel like there's a sense in which life is a, is an experience of progressive revelation, and you know, it's not always a straight linear line. But hopefully, at the age of eighty, you know more of God and His Spirit, and have spent more time in prayer and reading the Scriptures than you did at the age of twenty, and that has built up a store of spiritual and life wisdom which you can then pass on and share to those who haven't yet walked that path. Um, and in, in, and indeed added to that by simple process of growing old you go through life experiences you know having children having grandchildren getting jobs losing jobs buying homes making homes suffering failure bereavement that provide resources of experience and wisdom that you can hand over to people in their in the younger years teenagers 20s and 30s who are in the kind of tumult and haven't yet had the steady experience of, an, of to, to guide them through it yeah Absolutely, and I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. There's a, a nice quote that you live life forwards and you understand it backwards. Mm. And it, it's interesting that as a grandparent, I now see more about the preciousness of young life and the miracle of a new child coming into the world than I did as a parent. You know, as a <laughs> parent, you're just frantically worrying about, you know, getting enough sleep and the changing nappies. And, and, and you haven't much time to reflect about 
the awesomeness of of what's going on. So so I, I, I do think bringing life wisdom and also, you know, it's often from the very painful experiences. You know, as you know, I've had my share of mental health uh, agonies and, and other issues down the down the road and and I think it's sometimes uh, that I now see that as a strange gift that God has given me to share with other people younger people who are struggling uh, to to give some of, of my own experience and and, and encouragement and and uh, empathy and understanding of, of what it's like to go through some of these really deep painful experiences of, of loss and confusion and bereavement but it's interesting is that it also it, there's a responsibility on older people therefore to stay in touch because the classic problem is that the younger person says yeah but they they just don't understand you know they they don't understand anything in my world they don't understand anything that I'm struggling with they, they seem to be locked into their own past you know all they can talk about is their past memories or there's a sense in which they don't want to share wisdom. They want to tell us what we should be doing. And, and and that's the kind of, you know, the classic kind of teenager thing is, you know, don't tell me how to live my life. But I think in a more subtle way, actually, there's quite a delicate challenge there to offer your wisdom that has that is real and deep and meaningful of following Jesus over the long haul. How to offer that in a way that isn't kind of just like, preaching and sermonizing and offering kind of trite well you should have done it this way that's how I did it when I was your age which just shuts young people off and just even if they should listen they just won't listen to that it's quite it's quite a subtle quite a gift really to be able to to share that wisdom in a way that actually can be heard Uh, yeah I I agree and I think I think the listening has to be to me that's what it's all about you know that you know as we get older we've got to remind ourselves constantly we need to listen more uh, in order to understand and, and and be there for others, it's it's rather than pontificating constantly, giving people the benefit of our prejudiced, <laughs> narrow opinions. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? Some older people are much better at that than others, mm. and and they are the ones to whom young people gravitate if they know that they're going to be treated. They're not going to be patronised. They're not going to be lectured. Yeah they're going to be listened to. So so there there is definitely there's a two-way responsibility here. There's a real responsibility on older people to to develop this kind of openness uh to to other people. I think the other thing I would say answering the question of what are old people for in the church is is this idea of prayerfulness that I I think I've I've been really moved as a younger person to know that there were particularly my grandparents but other older kind of wiser saints who were incredibly faithful in, in praying for me and for what's important and going on in my life um and there's a sense in which that's actually not a unique experience but that's actually almost built into the kind of structure of church community and you see that throughout church history that there's always been this place for the kind of older they wouldn't use the word but kind of retired uh, christian who who is who is resting from work and has more time and space and clarity of thought to say do you know what i have this incredibly central role in the life of the church i can't stack chairs anymore i might not be able to go out on missions or to to do kind of to to build new church plants but what i can do is i can pray and i can i can sit in my bedroom or in my study and pray for hours and hours a day and that is 
you know, if we really believe in prayer, we have to say those people are as central to the growth and success of God's work in the world as the kind of young, vibrant, thrusting pastors. No, I, I totally get that. And and I too have been deeply moved by, um, you know, I remember as a, as a young guy, as an adolescent in the um, the Brethren Assembly that I grew up, there were a whole number of older people who just said, I'm, I'm praying for you and how can I pray for you? And and uh, and I knew they meant it. They wasn't just um, talk. And uh, and how moved I was, you know. Even though I found it very hard to accept many of the the strict uh, attitudes, uh, the prayerfulness was was genuine and, and heartfelt. And and that is part again of our intergenerational roles, isn't it? Of 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 encouraging that and celebrating that. I think again of. Um, of seeing that as as an essential part of something that old people bring to the table. I think it's really important to honour it, as you say, because that is a really powerful rebuke to the world, which says, you know, once you're retired or elderly, like, you're done. You're boring. You're, you're just there as a drain on the taxpayer, and, uh, and, and there's nothing to offer. And actually the church says, no, no, even when you're bed-bound, you're disabled, you can pray and prayer is powerful and essential and works and therefore like there is there is that that is a huge place of honor to be a prayer warrior in the church should be a huge huge place of honor no matter whether you're you know 19 or 95 yeah uh, there are many more things that we can say and uh, we'd always be interested in any feedback and thoughts um of people listening to this podcast i think this is a theme we're going to come back to because <laughs> whether we like it or not these demographic changes are not are not going to go away but uh, it's been great to have this conversation tim and i think what it reinforces to me is that we really need to be talking about these things not just older people but younger people together mm. how can we learn to make the most of of the wonderful riches and resources that god has given to the the local christian communities and to the church as a whole and in particular, I think, to think about how in a world in 50, 60 years time where we do have this kind of demographic time bomb and this grey population, how can the church be a model and a, a point of hope to say it doesn't have to all be stagnant and disappointing and sluggish, but actually there's a way where young and old people, increasing numbers of old people can live in really fruitful community mutually respectful mutually listening but also kind of building something exciting i think the church could be a really powerful kind of part of the church's countercultural witness in the future that hasn't been true in the past yep i think that's absolutely right great all right well thanks uh john it's been a great conversation i really enjoyed digging into this this topic i uh, hope you've enjoyed listening to it as well um as always lots more to to read and and, and watch and listen to on john's website if you're interested that's johnwyatt.com um, where he's got particularly stuff about kind of uh, care of the elderly and 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 what does it mean to, to live well in your last years. Um, uh, also uh, going to be the subject of um, uh, John's email newsletter, which I recommend you signing up to, which is approximately monthly. Uh, let's emphasize on the approximate, uh, aiming at monthly, a newsletter which is full of great links and resources and, and stuff to chew on. Um, you can sign up at, again at, at John's website. Uh, you can get in touch with us very easily. Just email molad, M-O-L-A-D, at premier.org.uk. But otherwise, thanks for listening and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Life and Death, a podcast from Premier Unbelievable.